Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Friday morning to you. We're hoping we find each and every one of you in super form on this Friday morning. It's a bit foggy, by the way, uh, out there. And the fog seems to be lingering in some areas. So be careful when you're driving. Even when I was driving in to work this morning, couldn't get over the number of people who were driving without their lights on. You really need to have your lights on, fog lights on as well. And obviously, when you come out of the fog, make sure that you switch off your uh, fog lights We've got Bernie on her own taking your calls uh, today. So bear with her if you're having problems getting through. 1850 You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And can I start with a thank you to some of our wonderful listeners because the postman arrived this morning with a couple of cards uh, still coming in congratulating me on uh, the 30 years of broadcasting. And I have to say an absolutely stunning card that was printed and made by Ellen and Michael Copps in Ballyhay and it is wonderful. It really is a gorgeous, gorgeous card and printed on the back is Keep Calm and Broadcast On. Thank you. I really appreciate it. That's uh, Ellen and Michael Copps in uh, Ballyhay. And also a big thank you to Mairead Winters in Tower who sent on a prayer bouquet which I very much appreciated and Mairead signs herself an avid listener to the programme. Long may that continue, Mairead. Thank you. Now, I'm looking for your thoughts and comments on what's expected to be announced uh, later on today and it is by Micheál Martin and it is looking like that the Cabinet Committee on COVID-19, they have agreed to allow the restaurants and the gastropubs to open over Christmas and that's despite Neffert warning against the move. So they've taken on board. Well, they've not taken on board. They've listened to what Neffert has had to say and they've said no. Where we're going against what you're advising on this one, we're going to open uh, open the gastro pubs and the restaurants. No talk about the wet pubs opening. Now the final details of when they'll be allowed to open. That's yet to be agreed and that's something obviously we will expect to hear Micheál Martin say later on. The dates are anything any time between the 4th of December and as late as the 11th of December. It seems there was a five-hour meeting in government buildings yesterday. The Taoiseach, his senior ministerial uh, team then decided 
to go ahead with plans to allow the hospitality sector to reopen. However, we are expecting that there will be stricter rules on how many people can visit a restaurant at any one time and also how long they can stay in the restaurant. As a compromise to Neffet, the government say it will have stricter rules on household gatherings over Christmas. Household visits will be banned until the 18th of December and then will be permitted between the 18th of December and the 3rd of January. Inter-county travel will also be permitted in that particular time period so we won't be allowed to, we'll be allowed to travel around Cork. I'm imagining that's going to be announced today from next Wednesday it seems is the lifting of most of the level 5 restrictions but then travelling outside of the county that won't be permitted until the 18th of December and again it'll be between the 18th of December and the 3rd of January. Uh, Also expected that religious services will be back up and running again. I don't know if it's going to be just for that particular time period or whether religious services will be allowed from next week. Again there's that kind of detail we're going to have to wait to hear from Micheál Martin The government was earlier asked to choose between reopening the restaurants and the gastro pubs are permitting families to hold larger social gatherings in their homes over Christmas. Never had warned the government it should not ease restrictions on household gatherings if it plans to allow the restaurants and the gastro pubs to open instead. Neffet have insisted that restaurants and pubs, they were saying, they should only be allowed to provide takeaway or delivery service and that's what Neffert wanted for the month of December. They were saying if you want to stop the virus that's the way to do it. But the Cabinet Ministers dismissed Neffert's advice and they've insisted that there would be resistance to attempts to prevent the government from reopening the hospitality sector. One government source said that it can't be a choice of for either people can't be a choice because they say people want to go out and have a meal but they also want to be allowed to do something with their families over Christmas so the government's saying they're trying to get the balance right but they've definitely gone against Neffet now this isn't the first time they went against Neffet before we remember the time when we moved into level 3 when Neffet had suggested we moved to level 5 remember that that was back that must have been back in, Oct- in October there was uproar at the time about it and with the government saying that hadn't been discussed they thought that it was almost a curveball was being thrown at them from Neffet. They didn't take up Neffet on their suggestion and they stuck with level three instead. And then what happened two weeks later, they had to go back to Neffet and say, actually, you were probably right. Let's move to level five. And in hindsight, had they gone with Neffet at the time, Neffet had been suggesting the short, sharp, it was the first time circuit breaker was mentioned. So they were saying a short, sharp lockdown and they were saying that if we did it for four weeks, we then would have come out of that sometime in the middle of November and that would have given a much longer lead in for Christmas, for retail and for the hospitality sector. But instead, the government chose not to go at level five. They held back for two weeks. Then we ended up having to go into level five. Level five then had to be for six weeks. It was a longer period of time. And we are where we are now and we're still not where Neffert would want us to be in order to open up the hospitality sector. So your thoughts, are you with Neffert on this one or are you with the government? Are you saying, would you be with the government saying, look, enough is enough. People have put up with a tough six weeks. It is 
it's Christmas. It's a time when people want to be with their families. People want to go out for meals. The business community in the hospitality sector, they've had it so tough this year. This is their time to make a bit of money that hopefully will carry them through into the into the new year. So your thoughts welcomed on that. You can ring Bernie at 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We did see another jump in the number of people being diagnosed with the virus yesterday. That's ignited fears about just how fragile Ireland is as the Christmas festivity looms with hospitals now bracing for a possible rise in COVID patients in January. The daily toll of new cases rose yesterday. Very disappointing to hear. 335 was the figure for yesterday and that was an increase on 66 on Wednesday. And of course, Wednesday had been an increase on the numbers that had been announced on Tuesday. There also, sadly, was three COVID-related deaths. The hope was that the figure would be lower or nearer to the target of 100 after the six weeks of lockdown. But the spread of the virus in uh, the country is still at significant levels. It stalled, then it looked like it was going back down again and now it looks like it's rising again. And there is now this big worry that hospitals, which traditionally see a surge in patients and our trolley numbers always go up in the new year. I mean, with people coming down with respiratory conditions and other uh, complaints, The worry now is that they'll be left coping with another rush of people infected with COVID-19 over Christmas on top of the traditional surge in patients that they see. So that is a real worry. We can take comfort, though, from the fact that there is still no reported case of flu so far this season and I do think that's got a lot to do with our hand hygiene, our wearing of masks and keeping our social distancing that certainly is helping to stop with the spread of any flu in this country. And yesterday somebody was saying had we any update on nursing homes, would people be able to go and visit loved ones in nursing homes? It's expected that nursing home residents will be allowed one visit a week under the guidelines that are going to be announced later today. So I I take it we can expect Micheál Martin to mention something about nursing homes. So perhaps from next week, uh, one visit per week per nursing home resident. So we'll wait for that to be confirmed. And when we're looking at the new figures that were announced yesterday, the Health Protection Surveillance Centre, always on a Thursday, of course, they released the figures for the previous week and they give the breakdown of the figures and you know how many cases they've had in the uh, previous week. And they also give the median age. It's the, the midpoint age of those that have been diagnosed. And nationwide, that figure is at 36 for this week, except when you look at us here in Cork. The median age of cases here in Cork was 19. It's 17 years lower than the national average. So we have more young people getting COVID-19 than any other part of the country. And it's the lowest reported median age uh, nationwide. This has been reported, it's a front page story from the Echo uh, today and commenting on the figures. 
Cork City Councillor, former Lord Mayor and a GP himself, John Sheen, who's joined us many, many times on the programme. He said he's not surprised to see a reduction in the median age of cases being reported in Cork. And he says, I think younger people, by their nature, are going out, they're going to school, they're working. And he said it's not surprised to see that median age go down. He said because older people have really either been cocooning or, or really are restricting their movements. Uh, John Sheehan said he had observed a significant general decline though in people needing referral for COVID-19 testing in recent weeks. That was in comparison to what he was seeing say three or four weeks ago because I remember I spoke to him a number of weeks ago and he was saying that, that he had suddenly seen an increase in the number of people coming forward who were presenting with COVID-19 symptoms and he was sending them on, he was referring them on for testing and he hadn't seen that in quite some time. Uh, But now it's gone back the other way so there are less people going forward. So the numbers are certainly dropping in Cork um, but just it's just nationwide they're not dropping enough and certainly by the 1st of December next week we're not. It would be great to think that we will be reporting 100 or less cases a day but looking at what the way the figures are at the moment that's not what's happening certainly this week they've started to go slightly up again 1850 333 103 your thoughts and comments are welcomed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Patricia on the speculation that the government will reopen the hospitality sector and make that announcement yesterday for restaurants and gastro pubs uh, I agree uh, these businesses have to be given a chance to operate yes the caseloads will rise no doubt over Christmas but the hospital case Cases are way down on this, the second wave, than they were on the first wave. The deaths are also way down. With the vaccine around the corner, it's time to live with this virus. But people still have to behave while enjoying themselves, says John in Clond. Yeah, and you are so right, but it's to get people to behave, John, uh, when they go out. But you're also right about the hospital uh, numbers. The figures for yesterday, up to 12 midday yesterday, 246 patients in hospital. That's down on previous days. 35 people are in in intensive care and then when you dig a bit deeper into those hospital uh, figures the length of stay by COVID-19 patients in hospital and intensive care has fallen and that's obviously they're getting better at treating patients now there's greater use of uh, steroids and they're spending a a considerable time uh, they're spending less time in ICU I think the average time now in ICU for a patient is uh, two weeks which is certainly down on what it was during the first wave so yes I'd, I'd see the point you're making John if hospitals are to get a wave of infected patients with uh, COVID-19, they should be able to cope. But the problem is if they get uh, an increase in people infected with COVID-19 over Christmas, if they start presenting in January, because remember there's always like a two-week lead-in from when people get COVID, if they're going to get bad before they end up in hospital. But the worry from the HSE is is if they get the traditional surge in patients on on trolleys in the new year like they normally do. Hopefully they won't. Hopefully they won't because as I mentioned there's no reported cases of flu at the moment and if that continues we should be okay. Uh, Thank you John for your text. Somebody else says the government should simply dissolve NEFIT and lead us into a third wave. Uh, This listener feels that the government are incompetent when they're going against NEFIT advice and then another listener says 100% with the government on this one. It is the right way uh, to go. 1850 333 103 and I had a WhatsApp in earlier from a listener to say hi Trish, morning to you. Could you find out, is there any update on the Mallow pop-up Christmas arts 
and Crafts Fair that is due to be held. I applied to be an ex- exhibitor and I'd apply online and I haven't heard a word since and now I am a curious. Yeah, and this was, Mala was to get, um, it's a pop-up Christmas Arts and Crafts Fair. It was described as bringing some colour and cheer to the town and obviously boost to local businesses and craft makers in North Cork. And it was being run by the council because I remember it was the Mayor of Cork County, Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley, who announced it. It was Cork County Council the Avenue uh, Blackwater and they'd actually picked two premises in town that would serve for the Christmas craft and food fair and you had to apply by 21st of November was the date that people had to apply and you applied through Cork County Council so I've got Bernie working on it I've got Bernie getting back onto the council because we've heard nothing since as to where these two premises are because there certainly were enough empty premises in Mallow to accommodate a Christmas craft and food shop and it would be a terrific idea to have people displaying their wares and lovely to go and buy Christmas presents. I love crafty Christmas presents, homemade Christmas presents. They're terrific. So bear with us, bear with us and we'll let you know from an exhibitor's point of view but also we'll try and find out so that we can let people know if they want to go out and support and buy items from an arts and crafts affair. 1850 333 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Now today is the day when the country waits to hear from the Taoiseach Micheál Martin as to how we will exit from level 5 restrictions and move to level 3. To talk us through the possible timeline of events I'm joined by our political correspondent Sean Defoe. Good morning to you Sean. Morning. Now is there one more final cabinet meeting today to finalise the new restrictions or is it all done and dusted? Well, isn't that, that that's debatable. There is a cabinet meeting today, all right, at around two o'clock in Dublin Castle, and uh, that'll feed into the final announcement. They will ultimately be, be the ones who finally sign off on it. But the practice with the particular announcement has been that usually most of the dealing is done at the cabinet subcommittee, which held its meeting last night. That's where the leaders of the three parties, Michal Martin, Neil Baranker, Eamon Ryan, also met with Tony Huda, who met with the HSE boss Paul Reid and with Pascal Donoghue and Stephen Donnelly and Simon Coveney. So all the big players would have already had their input. But there are um, uh, inputs and ideas that the other cabinet members will want to put in before the sign-off in relation to the dates of things. Some of them are going to push for uh, folks to reopen, for example. So there is a, a chance that some of it will change and that the cabinet will put its own fingerprints on the document. But I think the broad detail has largely been, uh, been decided. And much speculation that they're going to go against Neffet's advice and open the hospitality sector. Yeah, so Neffet's advice uh, wasn't necessarily not to open the hospitality sector. It basically had two two different options. So it said, if possible, um, to keep the hospitality sector a takeaway only for the, the month of December. But that if the government decides that it should open hospitality, the sacrifice should be in around home visits. So essentially they gave an ultimatum almost of pick one or the other, pick extended home visits over Christmas or pick having um, the hospitality, the pubs and the restaurants open. Now what the government has done has gone against that and has decided we are going to do both. We're going to open up the hospitality sector at some point between uh, the 4th and the 11th of the, two, the dates that we've been given. Uh, I think it's most likely it's going to fall on the 7th or 8th, but there's certainly are cabinet members that want restaurants and, and, and pubs to serve food open from as early as next Friday. Uh, and instead, there will be some changes to what they had planned in terms of home visits. So initially, there had been talk that people could have as many um, as, as people from four other households over to their home uh, over the, the kind of crucial two weeks of Christmas, if you like, that's now definitely going to be reduced, I would say, a maximum of three, possibly even two, and that the numbers allowed in houses would reduce. And also that uh, the plan had been to allow some sort of 
home visits to have people over to your home from next week. That looks like it's going to be kicked out further into December. So that's the kind of the middle that they're trying to come down on in order to do both. Can we take it as given that the wet pubs won't open? I think they they won't. I would be incredibly surprised if they opened this side of the new year based on what the government has been saying this week. Michal Martin has stressed a number of times that the evidence that is there for the government at the moment is that there is a, quite a risk in opening places that involve alcohol consumption, and that does include restaurants that also serve food, uh, but certainly more so in the wet pubs. Uh, and the indications, again, by Leo Baragher yesterday by saying he doesn't believe that opening, he doesn't accept this argument of business that if you don't open them up, well, everyone's just going to drink in houses anyway, and it's not a controlled uh, setting that there would be more spread there and the other are saying because you have the likes of time limits on seats and that that what most people likely do or the evidence in other countries is that they go for their two hour slot in the pub and then retire to the house anyway so you're not necessarily cutting out all those house parties so based on that and based on what I'm hearing from ministers I'd be very surprised if the wet pubs opened And the gastro pubs you will have to have a kitchen with a resident chef that's throwing pizzas around or going to the local chipper for the fish and chips that's gone yeah, that looks likely to be the way it will go, all right. There will be a, a stricter regime around it, and it is that idea that you mentioned. I mean, some of them, you know, going into the spa next door to get something off the deli and bring it back in for food, that, that's not going to going to fly or, or cut it this time around. And the majority of non-essential businesses, Sean, they will reopen next Wednesday, December 2nd, isn't it? Uh, that's the that's the plan, yes, for them to open next Wednesday. Been, so, we're getting into this uh, row again. It depends on who you're talking to government. There was confusion at the initial uh, Level 5 press conference of, is it Midnight Tuesday? And does Midnight Tuesday mean Tuesday or does it mean Wednesday? So <laughs> it will be Tuesday or Wednesday next week that they will be able to open up retail, uh, but also some of the other services, hairdressers, barbers, uh, that kind of thing. Gyms as well looks out to be given the nod, as well as um, kind of single-person uh, outdoor sports, so the likes of golf, like tennis. Uh, courts should be able to to open again as well. Ma- going back to mass churches opening, the, this is one of the the points that we haven't got fully clarified yet because the suggestion had been made last night that the churches themselves might not open until further into December, that this has been one of the trade-offs and one of the things that Neffet was concerned about and that it might be when we get this 10-day, two-week window towards the end of December that, that we can essentially do everything, that you can travel, you can go to, uh, to to Mass and also visit people's homes, that that might be when uh, religious services are allowed to resume in person, but we haven't got a, a 100% clarity on that yet. OK, and the five-kilometre travel that we're all under at the moment, that will also get lifted next week, but we can just stay within our counties? Yes, yeah, so there still will be travel restrictions. You can't leave the county. Uh, you know, you can't go into Kerry to rub it in their faces or at the football uh, for another <laughs> little while yet, uh, unfortunately. Or you can't make major, you know, you're from somewhere else and you're living in Cork or Dublin, wherever it is you have to travel. Uh, that's only going to be this kind of window towards the end of December. So while you will be able to go beyond your 5K, it'll still be within county restrictions. Okay, well, we're blessed in Cork because we've got such a beautiful county. We don't we don't really need to leave uh, <laughs> at all. Exactly. And then the big question is, when is Micheál Martin going going to address the, uh, the nation and will it clash with the toy show? <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been the question all along. Some, a lot of speculation in government buildings, would he choose something into the toy show? Would he time it around it? I had been uh, joking that he could, you know, wheel on in. You know when they do the little section, I don't know if they'll do it this year, obviously, <laughs> when all of the, the bikes go by, he could just be in the middle of that and come in and say, level three, it's good off. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen, no. Instead, the cabinet's meeting around two and I would expect we'll get an announcement in at around six o'clock of what the restrictions will be. So you'll have a, a couple of hours to digest that before sitting down in your pyjamas to the toy show. OK, and Simon Coveney yesterday gave a little speech in the doll about uh, Santa being given permission to to enter 
are flying our airspace with no restrictions. So, yes, I'm very, uh, after uh, protracted <laughs> negotiations between the Department of Foreign Affairs and the North Pole that uh, were, were quite intense in their nature, the Taunish, or not the Taunish, the former Taunish, the Minister of Foreign Affairs confirmed uh, that Santa has been deemed as an essential service, so he isn't going to be bound by any of the restrictions uh, this this Christmas. He is going to be able to do his round, but a very... Uh, important warning for any of the kids out there you're not to stay up on Christmas Eve because even though he's allowed to be an essential worker he does still have to social distance so you have to give him two metres you have to close the, the living room door and let him do his business because we have to keep Santa safe as well and keep everyone else safe but he will be able to do his run this year I have to say he did well he kept a straight face throughout didn't he? He did to be fair to him, he did uh, which, which is no, no mean feat and just uh, finally, I know you were keeping an eye on, on Helen McEntee uh, yesterday, the Minister for Justice. How do you think she did? Overall, I would think she did relatively well. I mean, she battled away a lot of the questions. She didn't wilt under the pressure of her first real controversy as a Justice Minister. But there are a couple of things that she said that mean this is going to uh, certainly attempt to rumble on from the opposition as much as the, the government will try to kick it to touch. And they were, uh, the fact that she essentially landed Leo Varadkar in it, as one minister put it to me she afterwards. She kind of threw him under the bus, didn't she? In a sense, she did by saying um, that it, they had this meeting basically shortly after she was appointed in which he said, oh, Seamus Wolfe would make a good judge before having seen any of the other candidates. Now, the opposition obviously say that seems like a really inappropriate intervention by the Taunashta um, to say that a former Gael Attorney General would be a good judge, kind of giving a little nudge to the process. And the minister admitted she did factor that into her thinking, but said that she used uh, her own judgment then when considering the names of five other judges. We had thought it was just three, but five other judges that had actually expressed an interest and applied for the role. But, uh, again, another point that needs clarity, the Department of Justice, she revealed, has no actual criteria for appointing judges. There was no, you know, this is what we're looking for list that she could compare to um, when trying to decide between those five judges and Seamus Wolf to who the best appointee is. She essentially used her own judgment and her own criteria. And while it is her prerogative as the Minister for Justice to do that, she doesn't have a legal background uh, didn't consult with any of her department officials because of sensitive topics. So there's certainly uh, quite a few questions that still need to be asked about it. There is a bit of me that wonders, was this a deliberate move by Helen McEntee to say about Leo Varadkar and indeed perhaps by Fine Gael in general because who's the one person in Fine Gael who is invulnerable at the moment who Michal Martin is never going to go near? It's Leo Varadkar and by shifting the focus and the blame onto him and um, suddenly politically there's no one going to go after it certainly within government. But it's, so it's not gone away? No, not going away at all. I think it will rumble. But of course, we have some bigger fish to fry today. And I think they will be hoping the cover of Level 5 and the cover of the toy show might get away from it for a while. <laughs> enjoy your day and enjoy the toy show. You seem really excited about it. I, oh, I am. I can't wait. What, like, you're going to speed home. Well, no, I'm going to respect all speed limits getting home well from done. the <laughs> announcement of Level 5. And then I am going to sit down and watch it. Very much looking forward to it. And enjoy. Listen, Sean, pleasure as always. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Bye-bye. That is uh, Sean Defoe, our political editor. Uh, 1850-333-103. Just to give you, uh, we're always trying to keep you updated on scams. Patricia Bandon got an email today uh, purporting to be from Air saying her direct debit had not gone through.
gone through. She doesn't pay by direct debit, so she knew it was a scam. But she said it looked very, very genuine, which they do. Those scam artists know what they're doing. And just on air, there was also a text in earlier from Jerry saying, could you find out, please, about the air phone reception in the Kalekill area? When you make phone calls, they keep cutting out after two seconds from making the call. And it's been this way with a week. So I'm assuming it hasn't happened before, uh, says Jerry. Has anybody else noticed that in the Kalekill area? I know, I just don't know where Peter Dowdell was when he was doing our gardening slot during the week. He was saying he was in an, air, an area with very bad reception for air as well and we had to leave the slot go. So I don't know if he was in Kalekill or not. Has anybody else noticed uh, that? And uh, we'll see if we can find out from air what's going on and why. Uh, and according to Jerry, it's, it's been that way for the last week or so. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, during the week, I received a very lengthy and detailed email outlining the problems the West Cork family is having, trying to employ a night nurse to help them care for their little special needs son who requires 24-hour care. Ashleen O'Donovan, mum of six-year-old Clayton O'Donovan, uh, joins me. Good morning, Ashleen. Good morning, Patricia. Now, uh, firstly, I suppose, how is uh, Clayton doing at the moment? And I, I suppose for people who don't know Clayton's story, can you just outline his care needs? So Clayton is a happy little six-year-old boy. He has a tracheostomy. He is on a ventilator per night. He used to be ventilated 24-hour-7. And at the moment, um, he's very good. He's a normal little six-year-old. He's going to school. He's at school at the moment with his nurse. And he's enjoying life. He has to have a nurse with him at all times. Yes, yes. While Clayton sleeps, we don't sleep. Um because he is on a ventilator per night. He has a muscular issue. Um, we don't have a full diagnosis on him. But he's managing, he's walking, he's talking. He's doing all the things that nobody ever thought he would do. But he just has to be watched 24-7. Exactly, yeah. Now, he spent the first two and a half years in hospital and, and I remember at the time the wonderful homecoming and, and you finally getting him home. When... Clayton was finally released from hospital and allowed to go home with Yashleen. What sort of home care package from the HSC did he receive? We were granted um, seven nights home care package, which took months to get up. Um, I had put on a Facebook um, page and an appeal, and I knew nothing but Facebook at the time, to try and see could we attract nurses to get this child home. He spent 16 months in Dublin. We lost his brother when he was three months old and his brother was the good child um, and the rest of the time then he spent in CUH and we were just worn from road and everything else and we wanted him home. So we put out an appeal and a local nurse did come on board and another nurse and we eventually got him phased home on phased releases and we eventually got him home. He was nearly kicked out of the hospital in the end. <laughs> And you were just desperate to get him home as well because you were exhausted as well from travelling up and down. Up and down. I used to be up every day. Um, I'd get the kids to school and I would go up and I would do his care needs. And it also alleviated a nurse up there too. I would try sometimes to be home for my kids coming home from school. And my husband also did nights, a few nights a week as well. Yeah, and we, and we forget you have two other children and they have the usual care needs that, that children uh, the children have. OK, so so you got this home care package seven nights a week. Did you ever manage to have 
nurses in seven nights a week? So for a spell, for a few months, we actually did. Um, and life was great. Clayton was leading a normal life and that. But we are now come to crisis point because nurses, we had lovely nurses all along. But, you know, they move on. They climb the ladder. Some nurses retire. Some nurses go on to have their own families and cannot no longer do nights and things like that. Some of them have other jobs as well. And, you know, they move on. They move on to higher careers and different things like that. So over a space of, he's home now, four years, things move on. And at the moment, we have two nights covered where we are simply exhausted. So for the other five, either you or your husband is up all night? Yes, yes. And we do walk long hours. I walk myself. I walk to facilitate to be here for the kids, be here for him um, when he comes home from school and things. We're both self-employed, so... You have to do it. There is no out of it. And um, so, yeah, I work on social hours at the same time. And sometimes I have to turn around and do a, a night shift with Clayton or do and five or six I, hours. My husband might take up the other few hours and things like that. I have to say, um, Ashleen, I, I don't think I've ever read an email where the you sounded exhausted in it. And it was it was bound, it was actually coming off the page uh, reading uh, your email. Is it, it's almost like it's finally all getting too much. It's, it's, yeah. It's going on too long. It's going on too long and there is no respite. There is nowhere to put Clayton even to get a break. We have to do it. We have to continue doing it. Um, we feel like now we're being pushed into a corner where we have to take him from school in order to get night cover. So to be very fair to our two nurses that do bring him to school, we'll swap if they have advance notice if he wasn't going to school that they would cover a night. But that means Clayton doesn't go to school that day. That means Clayton doesn't go to school. Yeah. And that's unfair on him and and unfair on you. Completely. We just want the best, as every parent wants for their child. We just want the best for him. He fought tooth and nail to come this far. He has a long, hard fight yet to go and he's doing it. Is it affecting your physical health? Yes. I'm on my third antibiotics now. I just have something I can't shake because you just get so worn down. And without the physicality of it, you have, you know, the mental issue. You're always worried. You're always thinking, even looking towards Christmas now, I'm thinking, how are we going to get through Christmas? We'll be exhausted. It's not fair on our other kids. What age are your other children? Um, one is 14 now and the other is 10. Are they great to help out? Fantastic. Fantastic. They can do Clayton's needs. They help out in every single way. But then on the other side, they're restricted. They can't go. I know we're all restricted now with COVID. But always we have been restricted with Clayton. Yeah, it's funny. You're, you're not yeah. the first family with a special needs child that exactly. says uh, we know about lockdown. That's the way we live our life. We've always been live, living yeah. uh, in lockdown. So the funding is there. It's just you need to find nurses. We in need to find nurses. Now our company that has his um, thing is, T- is um, Resilience Home Care. They're very good. They're part of TTM and they are advertising constantly and TTM is advertising constantly. They will train the nurses um, but they just keep coming back to me and I have gotten onto the HSE and they just there's no nurses. There's just no nurses. I, I don't believe that, Patricia, because there's nurses in every town, in every part of Ireland. And I also know nurses may be afraid of tracheostomies, may be afraid of ventilators, and there is no need because if we can do it, anybody can do it. And we have an emergency bell in Clayton's room and often and ever, if there was an emergency, we're in in two seconds and we take over completely. 
And what are the hours that a night nurse works? They usually work from 10 to 7 or 10 to 8. Okay, and and that's the period just to allow you to go to bed. That's to to allow us to get a night's sleep. And we all know you get a night's sleep, you're better the next day. You can function better and you can carry on. And it's better atmosphere for everybody all around besides two parents constantly exhausted. It's not fair on the children. Yeah, and it's and like it's not full time nurses, so there might be somebody out there who's retired early, uh, yeah, just exactly. wants to do a couple of nights uh, a week. If a person was thinking, look, I could help them out, but they might be afraid of a ventilator. I know we have had nurses and everything afraid of ventilators and afraid of tracheostomies. Um, but if there was somebody out there that could help us out, that could do even one or two nights a week. It would be it would be amazing. Be a godsend. It would be a godsend. It'd be a and it's godsend. Uh, and we treat our nurses like our family. If our children have a birthday, the nurses get the cake. They're involved in everything. I know, I know. And it's in the Clonakilty area. Yes, we're between Clonakilty and Manway. Okay, if there's any nurse out there who would be willing to take, and it's a paid job, it's not, we're not looking for volunteers here. The package is, is in place, and we have Ashleen's phone number, and we can pass you on to to Ashleen. Um, it, it saddens me though, Ashley, that you're dreading Christmas. Yeah, because of sheer exhaustion and we'd have no cover. You know? It's the week up to Christmas, we don't have anybody. Um, we, I think we have one night in that week and the week after we might have two nights. So it's just, when you have four or five nights in a row, it's, it's, it's impossible to do. And by the time Christmas Day comes, you're surely exhausted. And then obviously you're trying to keep COVID away from the door as well. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. Okay, listen, uh, the call goes out. If anybody knows of, if anyone is listening, who's a nurse or if anybody knows of a nurse that you can put us in contact with, uh, please do. But but good to hear that he's, that, um, he's doing well. And he's, doing well. he's defied all the odds, hasn't he? He fought, yes. And he has fought all the odds. Clayton was never supposed to live. He was never supposed to be anything or be able to do anything. And he's he's meeting those milestones slowly but surely. He's a fun-loving little guy. He, if we do have a nurse, he wants to know who is on. He stays awake. He knows every member of the family, each one individually. And he just has a chat with them every night. And every nurse that has been with him adore him. Oh, yeah, I've, and I've seen some of his little video clips up on online. He's one from when he was in the Christmas. It was the Christmas play last yeah. year, and he he said he's little lines and everything. Yeah. And what what school is he in? He's in Rena Screener. Yeah, a great little great little school, and you could see his all the other the older children. You know, it was his turn making sure your turn, Clayton. Get up and say your lines. Yeah, and he was great. So it's just, yeah. and of course, we've no school plays this year. There's no Christmas no, plays no this year, which is year, yeah. which yeah. is which is really unfor- unfortunate. And of course, his his twin brother Kyle didn't make it. Um, Ashley, no, he didn't. And Kyle was there was no issue with Kyle. Kyle was at home and doing well. So we ended up, a very long, sad story, but we ended up with Kyle in Crumlin in Dublin and Clayton was in Temple Street and I never, ever got them back together. Wow. And yeah. and then, of course, you had to straight away, you were you were already caught up in the whole care with uh, Clayton. You, yeah. Did you ever get to grieve Kyle properly? Not properly. No. no. It's still extremely raw. Yeah. I can I can well understand that. And I think another point in your email that shocked me was when, God forbid, Clayton does end up having to go into hospital, you have to go and do the night cover in the hospitals. Yeah, yeah. 
the hospitals are so understaffed, I know, and so pushed for nurses. If we do have a nurse that particular night that was coming, that nurse, if she is able to go into the hospital, she will cover him for us. So it's our own nurses follow forward. And if not, um, if we don't, we have to cover it. Oh and Clayton um, has colonised MRSA and he cannot go out into the corridor. He has to stay in this tiny little room while he's in there. And you're there all night, so even when he's in hospital, you're not getting a break? No, no. There but, is no such thing but as the, a break. But the big thing always you, is to try to keep him out of hospital. Has he been Has he been in hospital much this year? No, not no. this year. Very good this year. Um, he does have his episodes usually around Christmas time now. He does nearly always end up in hospital. But so far, um, it's a different year this year with everybody sanitising and wearing masks and stuff. We're hoping to get him. Please God, please God, you won't Keep have to go to hospital. Hospital is always a last resort. I know. Listen, you're you're a fantastic uh, mother, and uh, as I say, you 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 need a bit of help. That's all you need is a we bit of help. Need a bit of help to keep though. going, to keep doing what you're doing. Please, if there was a nurse out there that felt that she could, we would be more than delighted. It would really make her life so much easier. Okay, we've got all the your numbers on file, um, Ashley. Look after yourself, and as best you can, enjoy Christmas. Okay. Yes. You're a great woman. God bless. God bless. Bye bye. Uh, That is Ashley O'Donovan, mum of uh, Clayton. Again, another one of those stories when you think you're having a tough to try to survive without a full night's sleep is just impossible. We've all had that odd night where you've been up, uh, you've been up with a child or a teething baby or or colicky child or a sick child, and you know the way you feel the next day. But to know that that's night after night after night. So if anybody knows of any nurse in the general Clonakilty area, please, please, please make contact. with us, 1850-333-103. Now, some updates for us. We had the listener who contacted us uh, because she had applied to take part in a pop-up Christmas arts and crafts fair due to be held in Mallow and she had filled in the application, hadn't heard anything yet and was wondering, was it still going ahead? So we got on to Cork County Council because it is an initiative from Cork County Council in association with Avondu Blackwater and they tell us that the pop-up Christmas arts and crafts fair is going ahead and Barry from the Cork County Council Arts Office phoned to say that the successful applicants for the pop-up Christmas fair will be contacted later today. So it's just a coincidence we contacted them uh, today. So if our listener is one of the lucky people to be selected, I'm assuming they've been oversupplied. Too many people have applied for it and they're selecting as many of them as they can to put into the pop-up uh, shops. But you will be contacted later today. And the idea is that this pop-up exhibition, it, it will be in two vacant premises in Mallow. They're expected to open Thursday to Saturday for the weekends in December. There's also the possibility that they may open on Sunday the 20th, but that's yet to be decided. Uh, Hopefully Cork County Council will update us and let us know exactly where those premises are, where the Arts and Crafts Fair will be going on. But if you applied to it during the month of November you can expect to be contacted later today. Some of your thoughts coming in. James in Mallow says Level 5 did not help as much as the government and Neffet has expected. Small rural pubs according to James should be allowed to open. At the best of times they might only have four or five people in there. There's never really an issue on social distancing. He thinks that they should be allowed to open. Well it's certainly looking like that that's not going to go ahead. Thank you for that uh, James. To the list Listener Jerry, who contacted us having a problem with his earphone reception in the Kalekill area, so it's only been happening in the last week or so. Phone call drops out after about two two seconds. Somebody says that they, they, it's 
they reckon it seems to do with wind turbines that were put up recently. There are at least nine or more out in that direction close by Kailkill and that, this listener reckons that's what the problem is with air. I'd be suggesting to Jerry, if that's it you need to get back on to air who by all accounts their customer service is much better. They were at the chief executive was at the Oroctus meeting this week and she reckons it's down to 10 minutes now you're waiting when you need to get on to customer service with air so I'd be suggesting Jerry, a phone call through to air and let us know if you get through in under 10 minutes I'd be interested to hear that Jim says Patricia I texted you last week and I'm wondering did you get any response uh, I'm wondering is there anywhere I can send used cards be they Christmas cards birthday cards Easter cards anniversary cards rather than just dumping them now Jim don't dump them if we don't find anywhere for them put them into recycling anybody using have a need for used old cards, probably some Christmas cards in there, a bit early for this year's Christmas cards, but any type of used cards. Jim has a bunch of them. Rather than put them in for recycling, he'd like to pass them on. I know in the past we've had some people who were into arts and crafts using them. And I remember one year we did a shout out after Christmas on that very issue and somebody contacted us from a residential unit working with uh, special needs children and adults and they took a, a bunch of them from us but I don't know outside of that if anybody knows of anyone you, where Jim can send unused cards can you let us know uh, please uh, this is back on COVID Mary and Domanway isn't it possible that people are just thinking oh, I feel a bit achy and a bit under the weather at the moment sure I'll just take a few of the over the counter remedies probably a bit of a head cold I'll have and I'll go to work sure I'll be better soon Mary is fearful that that's what people are going to start doing she said I think less people will go for tests as complacency has started to set in especially with the run up to Christmas so that is Mary's explanation for why figures are down on the number of people going forward for testing and Dr John Sheehan the councillor in Cork City in his GP practice is saying there's a noticeable decline in people coming forward with Covid symptoms so Mary is wondering is that what it's about that people are actually fearful of going forward for testing I hope that's not the case Mary I really hope it's not Hi I'm not living in the Cork area and I've had to cancel a hotel booking for the fourth time was due to travel next week yes the government are right to open up hospitality sector I'm fed up of being at home I need to get out I need to get for a weekend uh, away and will hotels be open? Will you be able to travel to a hotel but it'll be over the Christmas period and I don't know if that's part of your plan would be to travel wherever you're, I mean, obviously when the neighbouring counties Kerry or Limerick or Waterford whether you'd be willing to travel over Christmas but certainly hotels will be open. They should be open, they should open up next week. I mean that's one of the ones we're expecting Michael Martin to mention uh, this evening from next week but of course up to about the 18th of December it's only people from Cork will be able to go to Cork hotels Kerry people to Kerry hotels Dublin people to Dublin uh, hotels but this is somebody who wants to travel to our beautiful county on a hotel booking to have to cancel for the fourth time Yeah, persevere you'll, you'll get here eventually I promise you that and Mavis says it amazes me that the government think that they can disregard the advice of the health authorities in 1918 during the Spanish flu, the government ignored the health experts and they allowed people to continue to go to work and to school on a virus which started in Kansas in the USA and it was rife. In the United Kingdom, the children were spreading it and the older people were dying. I suppose they also wanted to have family get-togethers a little bit like we, we want to have you know, over 100 years later what we want to do now. For the sake of one year, we need to take heed of Neffet, says uh, Mavis. And Mavis and so many people 
you hear saying that it's one Christmas folks can we just all have this quiet little Christmas ourselves without the need to have a big family gathering and I think a lot of people will do that I think a lot of people will heed the advice regardless of what government are saying I think a lot of people are going to have a quiet Christmas actually I was looking at the for Thanksgiving yesterday in the States I was looking at Joe Biden and and his lovely wife and they had a Thanksgiving uh, message to the American people and they were making the point because obviously Thanksgiving in America in some households can be and is bigger than Christmas and people will have get-togethers, family get-togethers for Thanksgiving rather than get-together for Christmas time. And it was worrying actually to see in America where, my goodness, the amount of cases in America and there's no sign of them coming down of COVID-19 and the amount of people that decided to travel for Thanksgiving. The airports were as busy in the lead-up to Thanksgiving yesterday as they had been on any previous years. It was just shocking to see the amount of people not heeding the advice of not to travel. And then I saw the President-elect Joe Biden saying that he wasn't having a big family gathering for Thanksgiving. It was just going to be a very small uh, affair and he was encouraging other people uh, to do that. But obviously the current President wasn't saying that and a lot of people decided to travel instead. And then um, thank you to Eileen who's emailed Patricia at c103.ie and this is to do with the Ryanair Refund. We haven't spoken about Ryanair refunds in quite some time. So, hi, Patricia. Just wondering if any of your less listeners received refund checks from Ryanair recently. We received our refund this week for a cancelled holiday to Poland. The delight with it arriving after six months was soon short-lived. Having given them all of our banking details over a month previously, they then decided to post a check instead. Headed to my bank to lodge to lodge it. The cash machine refused to accept it so I headed to the cash desk to be told that they would accept the cheque but I would have to accept the bank charges that this bank draft slash cheque would generate stating that it would probably be around 35 uh, euro. They couldn't tell me exactly because they would have to wait and see the costs it would generate when they presented it to the bank in question. The cheque slash bank draft was drawn, wait for this, on a German bank. We were lucky enough as one of us has free banking so we headed to that bank instead and we only had to pay €11 there because we got a 33% discount for having free banking. I think this is very poor customer care policy on behalf of Ryanair Uh, but still it doesn't surprise me. Let it be a warning to other listeners to refuse to accept a cheque a bank transfer is the only way to go and that's actually what our bank told us thanking you and that's from Eileen Goodness there's a new one from Ryanair that's one I wonder is that worth taking that up with Consumer Affairs Association that seems very unfair particularly when you've had to wait six months a lot of people have waited such a long time for refunds I'd even forgotten about we we did so many interviews in the early days about refunds I know I waited many months for a refund. I had flights. I was going over to Devon in in England for Easter. And of course, the start of the lockdown happened and we had to cancel. And I remember at the time it was with Aer Lingus. They were trying to get me to book new flights. And I was saying, no, we don't know what way the year is going. How right I was. And I remember initially thinking, should I book for Halloween? We'll surely be travelling by Halloween. God, I <laughs> was wishful thinking. So I decided, no, I'd opt for the refund in, instead because I really genuinely hand and heart didn't know when we'd be flying again and I thought it was the right thing to do. Now I waited a long time and I remember there was lots of tweets I sent them over and back and emails but I eventually did get my refund but my refund went straight back in to the bank account that I had booked 
with, they didn't even look for the bank account details because obviously they already had it because I paid for the flights out of the bank account. So it all went back into that bank account. So that's a first that I've heard that Ryanair have decided and I wonder why they're doing that. They're issuing checks from a German bank and of course then when you go in because it's a bank outside of Ireland there's always costs involved with an international uh, check so that does seem very unfair and €35 Euro on bank charges are, are very steep so uh, word of warning if you do get the option but I don't know because I take it from Eileen's email that she didn't get the option of deciding whether or not she wanted it to be put into her bank or not. But if you can push for that, please uh, do. Thank you for your email, uh, Eileen, to Patricia at c103.ie. OK, well, we know the toy show's happening tonight and all of that, and we want to do our bit to get people in the mood. And we've got these wonderful books to give away. They're books we spoke about earlier on in the week. They're produced by the Health and Safety Publications, which is a fabulous company here in Mallow. And they're Children's Safety Series. They're the Sam and Sue collection of books. Last year's books was Sam and Sue Learn About Cyber Safety, and they're Followed up this year with Sam and Sue, learn about flu and germs, and Sam and Sue call 112. It's Graham dad's medical emergency and we are giving away a pack of the books three all three books and we have four sets to give away today i need you to text our WhatsApp, your name and address. And please, I'm asking people only if you have young children who you think will really enjoy these books. I would say mm, children under the age of 10, I imagine, is who they are most suitable for. Maybe slightly older children will be able to read them themselves under up to 12, but certainly under 10s. You could sit with smallies and read them as bedtime stories as well. They're just, they are beautiful, beautiful books. And these are hot off the press, which means they are available in local bookshops on the bookshop in Mill Street has them and uh, Phillips Bookshop in Mallow. Uh, they are on sale, the Children's Safety Series, Sam and Sue. So text or WhatsApp, please, your name and address and we'll leave it open for a couple of minutes and then we will select four lucky winners and we'll pop those books in the post to you. Uh, get texting on that, please, to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Vodafone in Clonakilty and in Bandon, they've got vacancies for full and part-time sales assistance, while a general worker is wanted for a workshop that's in the Bandon area. Construction workers are wanted to work on civils, underpinning, hand digging, etc. It's all wanted in the Balancholic area. And two farm workers are wanted for a part-time position in the Churchtown and Grena areas. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 Now almost as many parents called a national helpline about their children refusing to go to school in September this year as called in the entire January to September period last year. Discuss the problems that some families are facing. I'm joined by Aileen. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hickey, who is CEO of a Parent Line. Good morning to you, Aileen. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and you're welcome to the programme. Did the parents outline why their children are refusing to go to school? Yeah. Um, they did. So, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I mean, I have to say overall, this has been a very challenging year for parents, you know, and that's across the board. I mean, Parent Line is having, you know, it, it's its busiest year probably in about 10 years. Um, but school refusal has been one of the big spikes in calls. It's school refusal and school related. It, it's not just school refusal, actually, because earlier in the year we would have had a lot of calls about school issues. And that would have been when, when uh, children were, weren't in school and they were expected to be at home either being kind of homeschooled or supervised by their parents. So, But in terms of school refusal, um, you know, the, the, the reasons why a child refuses to go to school, they're, they're complex and they're many, and that's what we hear on our phone line. So, I mean, the way you look at it is, while this sounds quite, quite dramatic, you know, on a given day, 6% of school-going children don't attend school. Now, that works out at 60,000 children. So on a given day, there are 60,000 children in Ireland not in school. But as I say, that sounds dramatic, but the majority of those children are, you know, out of school with good reason, as in with illness or um, some other reason. But there are also a significant portion who aren't in, in school. And the reasons we're hearing why um, children refuse to go to school, uh, it can be bullying, and it can be um, some sort of an undiagnosed condition, um, and a lot of it is anxiety-related. So that can be anxiety about friendships, anxiety about a particular class or teacher, anxiety about travelling on the school bus, be anxiety about break times even, you know, but ultimately what it does is, is it leads to avoidance because, you know, I, I mean, I think you have to remember that school days aren't necessarily the best days of everyone's life um, and, you know, that's, that's kind of just the way it is. And also what we see from parents is that, and we can only report in parent line on what we hear on the calls, obviously, and uh, what we see is that a lot of school refusal is in relation to times of transition as in you know, children starting um, in junior school, but particularly children who are starting in senior school um, and moving, or moving into senior senior cycles in senior school. So, and a lot of calls in relation um, to first and second years in senior school, which can be you know, particularly difficult years um, for some children. Um, so, I, I say, you know, I, I, the worst thing is that for parents, it, it, leaves, it leaves them quite, you know, it leaves them feeling quite powerless. Yeah, I mean, so, what but, does a parent do if a child refuses point blank to go to school? I mean, you can't well, drag no, him out I, the door. I, I wish I could give you the answer, and, and I wish there was a badge you want for it, but, you know, unfortunately, I mean, it, it, it leaves parents very powerless. You know, it, it, it causes a huge level of distress 
uh, within families um, because parents are wondering what can they do and you know parents feel that you know they've failed and you know is it their fault even though it's not their fault and you know at the end of the day there, there's, there's no standard solution there's no individual issue I need mean, there any standard solution I mean you know all you can suggest is that you need to, the parents need to give up good communication between um, you know their family and the school and professionals um, who are there to help um, you know so, and are schools understanding about uh, children, particularly those suffering anxiety? I think schools are, are, are very understanding about it, particularly obviously this year when you know I suppose um, kids maybe feel that they have more anxious, um, more reasons to be anxious. You know, but so it, you know parents need to engage in the process and they need to engage with the school. You know, and kind of not keep their head down. I mean, because the schools will support them, um, and uh, you know, and outside agencies will support them too. They will support them. Um, and education officers will support them. So, you know, everyone is there to support them. And, you know, no one is kind of, you know, I mean, there, there are parents, I suppose, who are kind of worried that if their children go over the um, the, the number of days, when it, it, 20 days is the, is the cut-off point with uh, which school. Um, it, it, it was, it, it, that's the, the limit of the number of days that a child should be out of school in any given school year. Um, and the primary responsibility for children attending school, by, by law, is with the parents. Um, you know, so uh, parents have to engage with the school if the school is kind of reaching that level. Um, and as I say, the, the, the educational welfare officer, that there's plenty of people who are there to support them. I mean, they're, they're not there to try and catch them out. You know, they're, they're, they're there to, to cooperate and to help them, you know, and, and they don't take action unless it's an exceptional case. Yeah, I was also interested to read that the pod system, which is operating in, in a lot of primary schools, that could be causing problems around bullying. It can, and again, this is just what we're hearing on the phone lines. The pod or the bubble system, and that um, it basically, you know, I mean, there's always going to be some bullying going on. I mean, with, with the difficulty with the pod or the bubble system is that it makes it more difficult for the child to get away from their bullies. Wow! Um, wow! Yeah. So you wouldn't know, have that, thought I mean, of that. Yeah. I suppose you know that's one of the things that wouldn't have been thought about in advance. I mean, you know, how do you plan for that? But unfortunately, it has been one of the results of bubbles and pods. And on a we- an equally worrying issue, I saw a report from your, from your good selves during the week. You've seen an increase in child-to-parent abuse calls uh, to, to your helpline. What form does some of that abuse take? Uh, we, we've actually seen, um, yeah, about a 27% um, rise in, in calls. And, and the calls would, relate in, in, would be in relation to anger and aggression. Um, again, it's... It, Basically, what we're seeing is that for a lot of parents, there's been an increase in kind of violent, aggressive, controlling behaviours. Now, I have to say, um, you know, when parents think, or when people think of children being violent towards their parents, it isn't, you know, necessarily, you know, a big 15 or 16 year old boy throwing his mother up against the fridge door every night of the week. You know, a lot of the the the, um, the behaviours that are exhibited, you know, it can be. Um, you know, intimidation or manipulation or verbal abuse or emotional abuse or, you know, kind of controlling or coercive type behaviour. So um, children, you know, it's known as child-to-parent violence, but as I say, it's not always... It's physical. Always be, it, yeah, it, it's not necessarily physical. In fact, most of the time it's not physical. Um, but child-to-parent violence is kind of, it's, it's you know, it's the area of domestic violence, I suppose, that is seldom talked about or understood because a lot of people would regard domestic violence as being kind of within a romantic relationship or, you know, between partners. Um, but, you know, domestic 
violence by its very nature is any violence that takes place in a domestic setting. Yeah, and yeah. that would include, you know, child-to-parent violence. So, it's, you know, again, it's a very sensitive area because the perpetrator of the violence is the child and the family. And again, that can make parents uh, feel alone um, or embarrassed that they're in that situation. Is that you know, why so it's such a hidden problem? Oh, 100%, because, you know, they, 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 are, they are feeling alone or embarrassed. And it's not necessarily something that they want, something that they want to go and discuss with their with their neighbours or their or over the school gate or with their other family members. So that's why we would see a large increase in the numbers of parents calling calling our helpline because again, you know, we're we're confidential and anonymous um and, you know, we're there to support and provide information and guidance and provide a listening ear. Um and, and it, but what what we do is you know, we, we try and help parents take kind of a positive action, you know, to try and end that that abusive and and violent behaviour, you know, we have certain programmes and that we can put in place for the parents to kind of to, to help to de-escalate the situation before before they get out of hand. Because you know, I suppose a lot of the time the, the violence escalates because of the response um, of the parents to the violence. So you know, what what we try and do is try and um, educate the parents to change their response to the violence because that in itself is is, is a huge thing. Yeah. It's been a tough year for, for many parents, uh, Aileen, this year. Oh, oh you know, I, I mean, I, I would say this, it, it's, it, it's been, you know, a, about as challenging year as it possibly could be for parents and also for children. Because, and again, bearing, you know, the, the time that children weren't in school this year, you know, children didn't see that as some sort of an extended holiday. You know, they, they saw that as kind of waste of time, time they weren't spending with their friends and time they weren't spending socialising and they missed all the, those important school events. So, you know, it was very tough on the kids, but because it's very tough on the kids, it's also very tough on the parents, you know, and, and you know, it, it's very difficult for parents to keep the show on the road all the time when there's, you know, so many issues um, that, you know, that they may have to face on a daily basis. So, you know, that's why, you know, I serve an organisation like Parent Line where, by, you know, it's on the phone and, as I say, it's, it's confidential, confidential and anonymous and um, all the rest of it. You know, it, it's a very important service for parents. We would strongly encourage parents pick up the phone to Parentine if they have a difficulty with a child at any age and any issue because I tell you now there's no issue that our volunteers haven't heard before yeah. and you know nothing that's going to kind of there's, pull the wool out from under their feet. Yeah so, you and, and you're talking to somebody anonymously it's always easier to open up to somebody as well particularly if you're embarrassed about. A hundred percent and you know and, and we'd be entirely non-judgmental and, well done. You know, it, so it, it, it's a, is a fabulous service, and you know, I wouldn't be saying it's that's brilliant. Right. It's brilliant, and, and it's interesting you touched on uh, the homeschooling because I know we certainly had a lot of our listeners contact us. People found the homeschooling really difficult earlier on in the year. Yeah, they did, uh, and again, we were taking a huge amount of calls on that because you know it was, you know, I mean, parents I think at that stage were expected to be, you know, they're expected to work from home. If if they are working, they're expected to work from home, and yet do all these, you know, extra things. They're expected to be teacher and supervisor and counsellor and, you know, um, sports coach and, yeah. you know, everything else, you know, while trying to ensure that their child was either on a virtual platform if the child was doing their lessons, um, you know, um, through Google Classroom or any of those other um, uh, remote ways of, 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 of doing the school system or simply, you know, getting homework off emails and double-checking homework. It was a huge burden on lot parents. And I, I think, you know, ultimately a lot parents almost gave up on it because it was so difficult for them to do it. You know, it, it's easy to say the words, you know, just sending out the homework to them at home, but, you know, actually ensuring that they do it and that it's checked wasn't quite as easy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, Parent Line uh, is open. You're 10am to 9pm 
We're many- 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday to Thursday and 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on a Friday. And um, our numbers, Patricia, if you wouldn't mind me, please do. Give them out. So they're um, 01873 That's 01873 or 1890-927-277. 1890-927-277. And can I also say, we have a very good website um, uh, which has an awful lot of information for parents in terms of a couple of areas that we discussed there this morning in terms of school refusal. There's a very good section on school refusal and there's also a very good section on um, child-to-parent violence and uh, some of the programmes like the non-violent resistance programme that we put in place for parents. But basically the, the key thing is that you know it'll, make, it'll show parents that they're not alone and that there's you know hundreds of thousands of families in the same boat as them um, with similar issues and it kind of shows how we have supported parents to deal with these issues and uh, there's, you know, successful outcomes and all the rest of it. So as I say, again, you know, we, we can't fix every family and there's, there's no kind of magic beam that you can take, but we're certainly there to support parents and to give them as much information and guidance and help as we can. Well done. Well done. I think people take comfort from the fact of knowing they're not on their own when you're going through it. Yes. You think you're the only yeah, one, but you're not. Thing, yeah, you're not. Listen, uh, Aileen, continue good luck with the work of Parentline. You yeah. do terrific work uh, and we appreciate you taking our call this morning. Great. Well, Good morning to you. The opportunity. Thanks, Patricia. Bye-bye. Uh, Aileen Hickey there, who is CEO of uh, Parentline. I'll give you the numbers once again. It's a Dublin number, 018733500. And there's an 1890 number, 927277. Now, yesterday, we had some calls into the programme about a fundraising issue by the GAA Cork County Board that some GAA supporters weren't that happy with. Mary Newman is with the Glen Rovers, she is the Camogie Draw Coordinator and uh, she's contacted the programme. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. No, How are you? I'm, very morning. Well, I'm very well, thank you. Now, according to the, to the Cork GAA, the, it's the new Rebels Bounty. That's what they're calling it. It's designed to maximise returns to clubs. Do you see it that way? Well, Patricia, firstly, um, you know, let me say, I suppose I'm speaking really as the coordinator from, I've been a long-time coordinator with the draw, um, we in the Camogie Club have always done it. We we took it over a year, I suppose, go back 20 years ago or longer. And we've always run it and it's been absolutely fantastic for us. We've had great success with it. It's been 100 euros a month. We've had a lot of people supporting us. But unfortunately now with this new system, we will no longer, as a Camogie Club, or indeed the Cork Camogie Board, who I know also promote it, will not be allowed to take part because it's totally for GA clubs. So, um, you know, when I heard so this is replacing the old straw, yes, the traditional yes, one that people old. would know about. Yes, and that was hugely successful. And I know, having you know, probably got the report back from last year's. I don't know what it would have made this year gone by, but all down through the years, I know it has been hugely successful and hugely successful for clubs. In that, if we sold a ticket, we'd say I would have sold a ticket to you for hundred euros. We as a club, and I know all the GA clubs would have been the same, and the Cork Board would have got forty-five euros back for every ticket we sold. So if I only sold twenty tickets, we'd get back twenty forty-five euros. And I can tell you, from us, from a Camogie perspective as a club, it was hugely beneficial because it's so hard to make money. But under this new system now, if we were in it, which we're not allowed to take part in it, because we did inquire. And we were told we would have to go in with the hurling section. Now, in fairness to our lads, for the last 20 years, we've always been the ones that... It was our little thing. That's the girls, they do that. That's their fundraiser. Leave them off, leave them promoted. 
if we were to do it under the current system and put her name in, i.e. under the, the, the hurling section, I think we had about 104 people in it. It would mean that we as a camogie club would make 400 euros and the other 100 people, that 10,000 would go directly to Parkchair. So like... For yeah, just to club, just to for yeah. people who did, who who didn't join us yesterday, under this new uh, proposal, this new uh, initiative, senior clubs have to sell a hundred tickets, intermediate clubs seventy tickets, and junior tickets fifty uh, tickets, exactly. all at a hundred euro each. Now, anything above that, the club can can yeah. keep. But there's also a sting in the tail. Anything under it. I mean, a senior club asked to sell a hundred tickets. If they only manage to sell ninety, the other ten tickets, the club have to pay up front for and pay the thousand euro to the county board that's a bit of a sting in the tail isn't it? Yes well Patricia like as I say looking at it as a coordinator as somebody who's been involved so long and to get the money from people firstly to sell a ticket crucially to me promoting a draw it's face to face face to face is so vital when I was collecting the money with the help of my fellow people in the club my fellow coordinators as we call them like we would have a little system where we'd have maybe one person would take 10 and I'd take 10 and someone else would take 10 and we'd all collect them from the different... We'd break it up. Crucially, sometimes you'd have to go to collect the money to these people. A lot of our members would have been... People in the draw would have been maybe elderly people, long-standing people who've been supporting us down through the years for young. For, crucially, these people, you'd have to go to them, collect the 100 euros, get the receipt for them, bring it to them. And I could not see, like, how how can... We said the lads, the GA clubs now do this. How are they going to go out and get, you know, that money in? In the middle so, of a pandemic. Pandemic, plus the fact, Patricia, we are, clubs have been closed. A lot of clubs are not open. They're not open because the licensing law won't let them open. So how, people are not seeing parents. You Like if, for instance, a club that would have had to sell, with a small rural club that would have to sell 50 tickets. How will they... How will they get out there to get that money? Now, there's this, I've been looking at it and I've kind of investigated it for the option and maybe, you know, how would people... Like, I would have had people who would have given me 425 euros over the year. They would just 100 euros together. But look, we'd like to support you. That They can't any longer do this. Maybe 250s. From what I'm hearing now, the club must take that ticket, we'd say, sell it, put Patricia Messenger's name on it, but Patricia can't pay her tenner a month into the draw like she used to always do make up her direct debit into Cork GA she must put the direct debit into the club so now the club yeah, are paying for Patricia's yeah. ticket because uh, we had when I mentioned it yesterday we had oh, I mean there was crazy. one elderly man said I bought one of those tickets every single year yeah. uh, won't be able to wouldn't have the 100 euro up front and then somebody else was saying a, a supporter of a, a club somewhere in West Cork said won't be able to do it this year. I've lost my job. There is that side of it as well, that there isn't as much money out there. Yes, Patricia, exactly. And I would just think as well, like you're saying, the elderly gentlemen, we have so many of those people that support us. They'd be old players, community players, and indeed old GA people who would say, God, yeah, we'll ruin with the draw and we support it. Like, and I was just reading last night, um, Tommy Lyons, who would be a very highly respected chairperson of the Carbury Division, in his, they're having a virtual um, meeting with his county board uh, during the week, and I think it was on Southern Star. He made a very interesting observation in his virtual address, in that, like, 
the club, like, it's been launched in the middle of a pandemic and like, it's so hard for clubs to survive now. And she's been calling that maybe they take a look at this and put it back to maybe um, further down the line where maybe clubs would be able to do something. But I, I just think, like, very, very unfair to ask the club anybody like we we actually as a camogie club are gone now we can't take part in it even though we've been in for 25 years we've been told no it's for the hurling section and the football that's section dreadful. That's, that's dreadful that's right for some comments saying morning Patricia uh, I'm furious with Cork GAA and their new fundraiser this Rebel Bounty as a club struggling to keep going and I'm tired of begging the same people for money I think they've some cheap to expect struggling clubs uh, to come up with this uh, money I'm uh, forget it I'm finished with the GAA and I, I, I would hate to see anybody who's dedicated all their lives to the GAA but uh, I can understand your, your, your sense of frustration and anger John says okay. the, Cor- the Cork County board it would be better to get the senior hurlers and the footballers back to Croke Park um, than to be going out trying to uh, fundraise. Uh, yeah, so a lot of people just really, really yeah. up, up, upset with this. Uh, of course, a club doesn't have to take part. Is that is that correct? Well, I from well from my understanding of it, from what I've been hearing. No, I'm only hearing um, that they'll, they've more or less been told, you know. This is it. Taking part, you'll get your bill. No, I don't know. Is that true? We did when 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 we knew we were going to be talking with you today. We did ask the Cork County Board if they wanted to send a representative or if they wanted to issue us with a statement. They didn't want a representative, but they did issue us with a statement. Which Bernie made me laugh when she handed it to me. She said, "It's very long. No, it's very long. It's all twenty words." It's uh, the Cork (laughs) County Board will continue to liaise with the clubs on the Rebels Bounty and the opportunity it provides for clubs. So they're still saying this is a great opportunity to raise money. It is. It is an opportunity if you have hundreds people. You see, Patricia. If you're in a very affluent area and and, and a big urban area, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing, Patricia, we're all forgetting something. Go on. This fifty tickets that your junior club in East Cork, North Cork, West Cork, this seventy-five that your intermediate club, or even like people. Sometimes you're a senior club. You might be a senior club, but you mightn't have two hundred members. That first hundred tickets, you're not getting a cent. Yeah. Like if we had been allowed in, which we were not, and if the Cork Camogie Board had been allowed in, like we would have about 104. And like we did make an approach to know, like, you know, we're in it 20 odd years. Can we stay in it? And we were told, no, you must join in now with your hurling club. And like, even if we took that amount of people in and put the name of the hurling club on it, we'd have only four, the money from four tickets. And it wouldn't be worth our while to do that and like a lot of our like you know I, I was kind of saying I spoke actually to somebody from the Cork Camogie Board who they found is hugely beneficial it's helped them towards paying some of the bills that they have for their fabulous complex in Castle Road they've been in it 25 years they no longer can take part either and like I kind of felt maybe could they not make an exception for the few maybe ladies football clubs Camogie clubs and the Camogie board who would be in it and maybe say, look, like girls, sell 25, sell 30 tickets, we'll accept you in on it. Like but no, it almost sounds to me, why fix what isn't broken? There was nothing wrong Patricia, with the old system. I was just going to say it. The okay. old law was fabulous. And All right. we had the honour of hosting it. We, we actually hosted, and I'm sure it's probably the last draw they had before the 
the COVID kicked in. Yeah. I think we hope. Okay, listen, it's it's an issue that's certainly not going to go oh. go away. We'll come no, back to it again, no, no doubt, Mary. In the and meantime, in twenty twenty and women in sport. I'm just disgusted. Okay, and listen, good luck to the Camogie girls tomorrow. Please God, Please Patricia, God. we'll be down there myself and Linda. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, crossed. I know you're bringing in stories from it as well so yeah. far we'll be there. Okay, so, listen, you look after you yourself everything. and we'll talk again. Bye-bye. And Bye-bye, that talk is. Bye-bye. Mary Newman there of the Glen Rovers. She was the Camogie Draw Coordinator. I don't know if she still is, but she's with Glen Rovers Camogie. 1850 103 We've just had a text in of reports of a suspect car. It's presently in the Kilbrin Castle Core area claiming to be looking for a blacksmith. They're also it seems looking into vehicles it's dark blue navy black Volvo S60 and the registration number 06KE if you spot this car can you are any suspicious activity please report to Cantor Garda Station on 029 5002 that's Cantor Garda Station 029 5002 and the advice is to please keep an eye out for elderly or vulnerable neighbours especially if we can get this car out of the area that's dark blue navy black Volvo S60 registration 06KE presently in the Kilbrin Castle Core area. Now a UCC professor has expressed concern about a potential spike in COVID-19 cases warning that rushing out of level 5 restrictions may hinder Ireland's progress. Ivan Perry is Professor of Public Health at UCC and uh, he joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you Professor Perry. Hi, hi. You're you're welcome to the programme. Now, under Level 5, COVID cases have fallen, but do you believe they haven't fallen enough for us to exit Level 5 next week? Yes, yes, I think think that that is the the crux of the issue where we're still running to to, to 250, 300 cases per, per day. So we're not at the level where the public health um, contact tracing can can really be effective, and 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 of course the 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 government the government this 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 afternoon face a face a very difficult decision, and there are there are there are no easy answers here, and you know your heart would go out to people in business, particularly in restaurants and bars and so on, who just want to open up and have some bit of income um, in, in, in December at the end of, 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 of what has been a dreadful year. But I suppose we, 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 we just have to pull back and say, what is our overall strategy here? And our, our, our overall strategy seems to be living with the, the virus. But, but that is essentially committing com, 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 com us to regular bouts of lockdown you know, so, so, so that if we ease off now in the start of December it's almost certain that we will we, 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 we be we'll be back in, in um, this is lockdown in the middle of And nobody of absolutely nobody uh, wants that and certainly it's looking like the government are going to go against the advice from Neffet even though wet pubs will remain close, yeah. closed but would you have concerns around the restaurants being allowed to open the, the very fact that they'll be serving alcohol is that the problem? Well I suppose it, you see it's it's an it's an Enclosed space, obviously people are indoors and obviously if you're eating, you're, you're not wearing masks. And, you know, we have countless examples around the world of, of you know, restaurants. It's been a, been a focal point for, for um, 
outbreaks. And even if people are well spaced, you know, the, 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 the virus can be aerosolized. And, and while many restaurants, you know, would make a huge effort and do everything right, it, it, it just takes a, a small number of, of um, businesses to f- relax the, the, their, their standards. And then you, you, you have cases. And obviously, the nature of the virus is that cases rise exponentially. You, you go from one to two to four to eight and so on very, very uh, quickly. And that, 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 that's really what we're um, up against. And if, 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 you look, if you look around Europe, or if you look at the, the U.S., you know, where they're at the moment where they've had, you know, they've felt the need to open up in in, in, um, in most states. So you're now looking at almost 200,000 uh, um, cases per day. And, and, it's, and it's shocking. It's just shocking what's happening it, in the states. It's, it's estimated that, 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 that in the U.S. by the end of this year, that, that they may have over 350,000 deaths, which even in a country that, that the size of the U.S. is a horrendous figure. So, so that's really, it's those kinds of concerns that are, are um, as, and that, that are maybe driving us in the, in the, in the direction of holding back for them more. And of course, Christmas is a time to be with families. But I mean, would you be fearful that people will drop their guard and almost forget that coronavirus is is here at all? I mean, you know, COVID-19 isn't going to take a break for the two weeks over Christmas no, so we can all no. meet with our families. No, no, it, it isn't. And, and I suppose well, one of the, the issues the government have to do is, is come out with clear advice to people. And people do want to, to have a have a, a family Christmas. But to have a, a Christmas with, with your, your family um, is one thing. But but to have a system where or to open up where people are going out to restaurants and pubs is, is, a, is a, a different level of exposure. So I suppose the, the, the message will be to people to enjoy their Christmas, but to keep their contacts as few as possible to their immediate family and, and be particularly mindful, of course, of frail, vulnerable elderly uh, people to ensure. Yeah, I, w- I was listening to Mike, Ryan, Mike Ryan from the World Health Organization. I thought he made, he, he gave some great advice. You know, if you are having a family gathering, don't all be gathered around the kitchen while somebody's peeling the carrots. Don't yeah. all be in the sitting room watching the movie together. That if you are going to have extended family spread out around the house almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that this is the one, Chris, you know, we, 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 we all. No, in, we, we're, we're all in families where you have a Christmas where one member of the family cooks for about 35 relatives. Yeah. You know, uh, these heroic uh, efforts with <laughs> huge, huge turkey and everybody gathered around, which of course is a, is a fantastic event. But, but this is perhaps not the, 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 the Christmas to cook for 35 relatives. It may be the Christmas to cook for just your immediate uh, family and perhaps one other relative who who you feel is in some way needs to be needs to be there, but but not the entire family. And give that heroic chef a Christmas off. Do you yeah. do you think we should have done what Australia and New Zealand did and closed our borders in the summer? Absolutely, we 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 we, we missed the chance, and we kept coming up with with reasons and excuses not to to do that. We kept saying we're different from Australia, we're different from New Zealand. We're not that different from, from Australia. We could have done um, what Australia had done. It would have meant hard choices in relation to the, to the 
travel travel industry and we'd have had a hot tour from that and the tourists and, and and that it's people would have objected but the we would have benefited now in terms of being able to open up the rest of our economy you know in in um, in victoria in australia they've now gone 28 days without a single case and they can open up their their restaurants and their bars and their cinemas and their churches and they can have football matches and and and, and so on albeit they're taking the hit in terms of the, their um travel sector so they've got 14 days hotel-based quarantine when you could come to uh, to Australia. And, and that is a significant cost, a significant imposition. In, 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 in but, but, but it's part of a, a strategy. And th- they are now reaping the benefits of that strategy. Yeah, I've got relatives in Australia and life has almost returned to normal. I mean, literally almost. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's been tough. It's been tough, but it's almost uh, returned to normal. Would you be saying to Irish people overseas, um, Ivan, don't come home for Christmas? I would be saying to people, think very carefully. It's really not for me or, or anybody else to say, you know, what, what every person should, should or shouldn't do. To. I would say to people, if you think very, very, very carefully, this Christmas might be the one to skip coming home, unless there's some compelling personal reason to come. And, and but, but then if, if you, you come, perhaps just to come to visit one one family and limit your, your travel and your uh, socialising outside perhaps your primary family that you might want to come and see if a parent, for instance. Okay, and we are expecting an exit from uh, level uh, five to level three. So, are you almost predicting we will have another lockdown in January? I, I think that you know that that is this this virus is is still amongst us. It it spreads when 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 people people gather, and it's 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 hard to see that 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 January will be will be will be any different to what we've, we've experienced in, in recent months. And while I suppose on a more positive side we can, we can look forward to the vaccine in, um, in 2021 so the end is in size but, but that end is probably more likely to be, likely to be towards the end of 2021. Um, the, the, the vaccine isn't going to get us to the level of herd immunity that we need to, 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 to get to until we're well into the end of 2021 and that assumes that there is a high uptake of the the vaccine and that will all take time. Will you be in the queue to get a vaccine? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely because the, 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 the vaccines go through a very rigorous um, regulatory pr- pr- process. So if you look at the, the Pfizer and the Mod- 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 Moderna vaccines for instance that even in these pre- preliminary trials you know I think in these Pfizer trial, um, the, the, the sample size was uh, over 40,000 people, and I think it was 22,000 people got the the um, the uh, vaccine. And, and of course, as the year go, goes on, we'll have more and more data, so that by the time the vaccine has been offered to the general public, we'll have we'll have safety data from hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. 
Okay, that's we can all look forward to that but as you say it's going to take quite some time okay listen we leave it there Ivan thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme today Good afternoon Thank to you. you. Uh, bye Thank bye. You. That is Professor Ivan Perry, who is Professor of Public Health at uh, UCC. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Celebrate a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie. Cora Threshing Committee are fundraising for Breakthrough Cancer Research in Cork and tickets are now on sale for their 10k cash giveaway. They're available from all committee members or you can call 086 8035317. The draw will take place on Saturday the 5th of December and our own JP McNamara is organising a virtual run in aid of Marymount Hospice tomorrow Saturday. You can run, walk or jog within your 5 kilometre radius while adhering to government guidelines of course. Check out JP's Insta page for further details and help him raise much needed funds for Marymount. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. There's a text in asking me to wish Shane Ryan of Donnerail a very happy 21st birthday. He's in Limerick at the moment and he won't be home till Christmas. And Nana, Jenny and Grandad Kevin wants to wish Shane all the very best and he's away from home for his 21st. I um, hope you have a lovely day and a quiet day. It's what everybody's having with birthdays this year uh, for sure. Okay, the winners of our children's safety series Sam and Sue learn about flu and the germs. Sam and Sue call 112. It's Grandad's medical emergency and Sam and Sue learn about cyber safety. These are hot off the presses. They're published by Health and Safety Publications and you can um, get them online because I know they're available in local bookshops. They're available for example in Phillips in Mallow and in Mill Street but for everybody else who would like to buy these books and they really are gorgeous you can go to samandsue.com but winning our pack of three books uh, Rachel Kyo in Lissavard in Clonakilty entered on behalf of her little girl Sophie she said who would love to read them congratulations Rachel they're in the post to you Trina O'Neill is at six on Gugan Barrick Street in Kinsale uh, she said she would love the books congratulations Trina Linda Hosford is in Doris for my five and six year old nephews listen to this who have to watch the toy show tonight from Nana and Grandad's due to a fire at their home oh goodness they could do with a bit of cheering up books on the way to you Linda for your two nephews and the final one that we have selected uh, would love a set of books for my grandson he loves reading and he's currently in hospital with suspected appendicitis bless his heart he's 11 that's Marie Collins of 1 Farahy Road in uh, Kildare congratulations we will get all those books in the post to you and as I said for anybody else who'd like to buy them get them in local bookshops in the North Cork area are you can go to www.samandsue.com they will make lovely lovely stocking fillers this year some of your texts in we were talking about the GAA draw in the last hour uh, Jim says Hi Patricia Cork GAA are definitely going to be referred to as the Grab All Association if they will demand that the clubs have to pay for the tickets and give the clubs nothing in return if their allocation isn't sold I thought they said that Cork GAA's motto going forward was that they wanted to give everyone and clubs together 
or get bring everyone and clubs together for the good of Cork GAA but this certainly does not seem like the case if they won't allow the camogie and the ladies football associations to join the draws and a lot of clubs are struggling just simply to stay afloat as it is without these penalties if they can't sell their quota of tickets that's from Jim and Jim I just see a previous text uh, no that's a different person you're thinking of uh, and I'll leave it at that uh, 1850 Hi Patricia and I've never heard it put like this before just to throw a kettle among the fish never that. did you make up that saying yourself anyway lots of people are blaming pubs and the off licences for the amount of street and house parties but let's cop on here a little bit. Pubs have been around a lot longer than Covid and we never had hundreds of house parties before. So isn't it a bit unfair to lay it all at the door of publicans, especially rural pubs, many who may never open again if they don't get the chance to open between now and Christmas. This to me is a contrived plan to close all but the posh city bars and it would be dreadful if we lose a lot of our rural pubs it will be it'll be a real real crying shame and it'll be you know i think going forward if we lose a lot of those old traditional pubs tourism will suffer how many people come to this country and when they do exit polls afterwards well how did you get on and why did you come how many people cite those small pubs as a reason and you know people will say that irish pubs all over the world in a lot of other countries they don't have pubs like we have here for that atmosphere and it will be a sad day if we lose a lot of them but I think you're right I think we will I think the Vintners Federation themselves are accepting that many will not survive this pandemic just from a financial point of view trying to keep the bills paid they simply won't be able to afford uh, to do it Okay other texts in all these people are being Mr and Mrs Grinches they don't want anyone to enjoy themselves over the Christmas period as for somebody saying the Spanish flu you can't compare this pandemic with the pandemic of the Spanish flu in those days they had no health service no one no one by the way should be blaming people for the spread of this virus Trish says another texture how are things they're doing they're going well are hotels will hotels be open for Christmas and can you book in could you book to stay in a hotel for over Christmas well if we go into level 3 under level 3 hotels are allowed to open but the services that they provide can only be for uh, guests so We've had a couple of calls in about hotels and people who want to go away this year are people who traditionally have gone away. You know, every year that comes up, people like to go away for Christmas for whatever reason. They like to be wasted on hand and foot and go and stay in a hotel. And what I've been saying to people, if you have a hotel in mind that you would like to go to over Christmas, I would be suggesting that you send them an email or give them a call just to see. Some hotels, definitely, if they're allowed to open, will open. I'm not saying all hotels are going to open. There could be an issue around staff. There could be an issue around will it be worth their while financially to open. So it will be an individual choice, as it will be for all shops and businesses when they're allowed to reopen for next week. So that would be my advice to anyone who is thinking of going away for a few days, either in the run-up to Christmas or over Christmas or after Christmas. Just check in with the hotel and see, are they open and are they taking uh, customers? And a listener says, I work for Air Customer Care and we're trying our hardest to get through all of the calls. Every call is different and we're trying our hardest to give 110% in customer care. I have nothing But sympathy, can I say, for the people who work in air customer care. You are right. They are doing uh, their best. But we know that your CEO was before the Oireachtas Committee this week. But it seems 
there isn't enough customer care workers and that's adding to the problem. Now, seemingly things have got a lot better in recent weeks and there's been more training and more new staff taken on and hopefully it is better and the wait is only about 10 minutes now. But I have nothing but sympathy for anyone that works in a call centre. I think it's a tough, tough job and some call centres you can be, you can get through very, very quickly and others you can be waiting exceptionally uh, long periods of time. So I have nothing but sympathy and I commend you for the great work that you are doing and in trying to get through and I know all, everyone who works in a call centre they you know try and do their very best and give 110% in customer uh, care so uh, good luck to you and, and when people are complaining about care customer care I don't air customer care I don't think they're talking about the individual workers I think in the main it's the setup and the way it was uh, set up and actually talking of customer care I went home yesterday to a letter from uh, breast check didn't even realise I was due a breast check so my god the years are flying by I can't even remember when I had my last one but I didn't think I was I was expecting one anyway when I opened it the time slot I got was sometime in I think it was the 9th of December but it was 10 past 10 in the morning which obviously in the job I do can't nip out just be out there now for half an hour to get my breast checked on so and I was reading down that they were saying you know if you can't attend please and of course I would do that let them know so they could give the appointment to somebody else but it also said that it might not be possible to reschedule dates you know because obviously they're just back working for many months during lockdown all of breast check and uh, cervical check all of that stopped but they're now back up and running uh, again so I was thinking when I was ringing I said I'll never be able to get a new appointment here will I so I rang up spoke with a lovely guy Cork number by the name of Ronan most helpful explained my predicament I said in the job I'm doing Anytime after one, I'd be able to get to you, but but I can't do it in the morning time. Anything you can do for me? And he said, hang on a tick and I'll just check. And I could hear him clicking away in the background. And next he came back and said, can you come tomorrow? I said, give me a time. He said, two o'clock. I said, I'll be there. And I just thought, what fantastic customer care. It really was great. So well done to everybody involved in breast check and a timely piece to say to anyone if you do get called for either breast check or for survival and actually I had to go for a smear I, I was one of the ones that got cancelled back in March and I got a rescheduled one as soon as they reopened so I had that done back in August and thank God everything came back clear uh, but please do not ignore if you do get called for e- any of those cancer screenings because there was a really worrying piece in the paper today showing what they reckon the amount of cancers that they're going to miss unfortunately because of the way our health service has gone and with so much attention going on COVID, they reckon there's a huge amount of cancers are going to be miss, missed which is which is frightening and uh, really really thousands of cancer care. I knew I saw the piece. They reckon up to 2,000 people with cancer may have been missed as a result of disruption to health services due to uh, COVID-19. There figures from the HSC so please if you get called for either breast check or vital check or any of those screenings bowel screening, please go uh, forward and uh, take the appointment. 1850 Bernie is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 103. Uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Okay, you watched two movies for us this week, Unhinged, and the second one was Endless. Here is a quick trailer from Unhinged. Come on, man. Go! Ma'am, are you okay? I'm pretty sure the guy in that truck's following me. He's road raging. Why don't you just chill, man? Go your own way. 
think you really know what a bad day is. But you're gonna find out. You better bring your A game. You're gonna need it. Well, this is one of these psychological thrillers. It does have the wonderful Russell Crowe, though, in the lead. Uh, what's the storyline on this? Um, it's about rage, uh, the film. It's about kind of road rage in a, in a kind of a sense. Um, do you remember the film uh, Falling Down with Michael Douglas? I do. Years ago. Yeah. Where he just basically, and it was about that. It was about rage. It was about anger. Uh, but at least the, I think the thing about that film is that uh, we had time for Michael Douglas to kind of build up this kind of resentment against the world and so therefore kind of envelop that rage to kind of behave the way he did. Um, I think the mistake in this one is that uh, we don't really see that. Basically what happens is is that this young woman, uh, she's having problems at home, she's in the middle of a divorce, she's just lost her job and so she is very, very frustrated. She's in the car, she's trying to drive her young son to school and she comes up to an intersection and there's a a jeep ahead of her. The jeep doesn't move quickly enough for her so she beeps at the jeep (laughs) and drives around him. Uh, The jeep is being driven by Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe doesn't take too kindly to being beeped at like that. In fact, uh, at, at one stage, he drives up next to her and says, <clears throat> uh, what you basically normally, what people do is they give you a little courtesy beep. Uh, your mother, because he's, he's talking to the young boy, uh, didn't do that. So I want your mother to apologize. And she says, I've got nothing to apologize for. I've got better things to do. Then, all of a sudden, it, his whole rage just builds up within him. And just he decides to kind of target this young woman. So I suppose that's the difference between the two films. Whereas I think Falling Down was a very, very interesting, clever kind of look at rage in America and and anger. Whereas this kind of has kind of a pretense of that, but I don't really think it is. Basically, I just think it's just kind of a creepy kind of horror movie in a way, uh, kind of thriller. And um, and it's not quite as good. That doesn't mean to say it's bad. I mean, it's really, really quite entertaining. And it's great to see Russell Crowe playing this kind of character. He has played this character before. He looks very different now, though, than he did <laughs> from his gladiator days. He, well, he's, he's an older fat- man, isn't he? Well, he says he's wearing a fat suit in this, but he does look quite heavy, yeah. But he is, because of that, of course, he looks actually like John Goodwin in this film. Oh. And, um, and he's very, very good. They're all very good. Like, the young woman's name is Karen Pistorius which is kind of not a very common name. Is it anything to Oscar Pistorius? Well, I did look her up. She is Australian, but she was born in South Africa, so I wonder if there's a bit of a relation there. And the other related thing uh, and relation that's involved in the film is the young boy. Uh, His name is um, Gabriel Bateman. He's Justin uh, Bateman's brother. And he is very, very good indeed. So obviously, you know, Justine Bateman, I think, uh, another sister, she used to be in family ties years back. So obviously the Batemans are a very, very talented family. The thing about this film is that this film kind of was released just before the uh, shutdown in America. In fact, I think it was a shutdown, then they reopened again, they managed to get the film into cinemas, and they shut it down again. Mm. But in the midst of it being in the cinemas, it managed to make quite a bit of money. Uh, it has a kind of a $30 million budget, I think, and it managed to accrue $20 million, which wasn't bad in that kind of short space of time uh, before it shut down. And that's a bit of a pity, because the director has said, look, it's a pity you can't see this film on the big screen, because there are some really very, very good kind of car crashes in it. And the great thing about them is that they're all real. 
they're not they're, they're not CGI'd at all. And I think you know he was desperate for people to see the, those kind of car crashes on the the big screen, and they're very very well done. I mean, some of the sequences uh, I think are very very good and very very exciting, especially the uh, the car chase sequences and the performances uh, are also very good by everybody. I mean, I was very very impressed with them all, and just to watch. You know, Russell Crowe play this kind of character, go absolutely crazy, um, is is very interesting and very entertaining. I, I I found it very difficult to believe though sometimes. So I got fr- quite frustrated because in reality, I think if you're in that position and somebody is chasing you, what's the first thing you do? You ring the police. Yeah. And there are times when she kind of doesn't do that and others don't do that. For example, there's a scene where he's in a restaurant and he starts beating people up. The first thing Americans do is they call 911. Here they don't, and he, it's almost like for a while, Russell Crowe seems to have kind of a car blanche to be able to drive wherever he wanted, whereas in reality, I don't think that would happen. And there, there were times then when that kind of frustrated me when people kind of behaved in a way which in reality they wouldn't do so. And then for her kind of to turn from like this kind of young housewife into this kind of very heroic kind of uh, character who again behaves out of character. Um, uh, in response to his anger, I think is unrealistic. But um, I was really entertained by it, and just watching, as I say, Russell Crowe behave like this and act like this was really, really entertaining. So you enjoyed it, Mark? It out of ten. Mark, it's not an easy watch, though. But yeah, yeah. I'll give it eight. Eight, eight out of ten. Okay, yeah. I mean, psychological thrillers. You're either into them or you're not, because they can yeah. be. Yeah. Okay. Then the the second movie you watched is something called Endless, and Bernie tells me I won't know anyone who stars in this. Um. Well, you might know a couple, I think. Uh, Famke Janssen, uh, she was a Bond girl some years ago. and uh, Now, that's a bit um, patronising towards her because I think she's done some very, very good work. She's a Dutch actress. I suppose she's the only kind of recognisable face uh, in this film. I have to admit, Trish, this isn't normally the kind of thing that I would watch. Is it a love um, story? It's a love story, yeah. Basically, it's it's Ghost. Do you remember Ghost? Oh, no, one of my favourite all-time movies. Now, I do love Ghost. I think Ghost is a wonderful movie and it's a lovely movie. And this is basically the story of that, just with kind of younger kids in it, kind of updated uh, for 2020. And with two younger stars, I think um, the young boy's name is uh, Nicholas Hamilton. I think he was in It. Um, so younger, I think, fans might kind of recognise uh, that uh, him. Basically, it's about two kind of high school kind of lovers and um, she's going off to college um, in a different state um, to do um, a law degree. And he's not keen on that. But she says, look, we can do the long-term relationship thing. And so he gets, kind of gets a bit annoyed by her, even though they are madly and completely in love. And he drinks a little bit too much. They get into the car and they're driving home. She hasn't been drinking, but they do involve themselves in a car crash. Now, this is all in the trailer. This is all in the first few minutes of the film. So I'm not giving anything away here. Um, he dies she survives. Um, but there's a scene um, in the uh, hospital where when she wakes up, she sees him and says, oh, you're okay. And he says, yes, I'm fine. But then the doctor comes in and says, you survived, and he hasn't. So then he realizes that he's a ghost and that uh, he has, in fact, uh, died. But, but she can see him. She's not initially, I, I said, I, I did that wrong. Later she does. Okay. In ways, in like very similar to Ghost. Do you remember in Ghost where he was trying to communicate with Danny Moore. And yeah, through, so through, through Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, but then yeah. he also, I think, near the end of the film, I think he kind of pushed a kind of a, a penny under a door. Yeah, and yeah. So therefore, he was able to physically kind of move physical objects. Well, um, there's that kind of there's a number of those kind of scenes in this film, and also like. The young man is kind of in that kind of purgatory kind of area. He's not quite dead, but he's not alive. So therefore, he uh, kind of looks upon himself to try and 
um, tell her that she wasn't responsible for his death because, of course, she feels responsible for that. She's also having problems with the police who also believe that because she was driving that she was also responsible for for his death as well. Whilst all of that is happening, she is desperately trying to communicate with him. And so there were long sequences of kind of people hugging and crying and kind of, you know, and uh, kind of over-the-top music. And uh, there were some lovely scenes. Some of the acting isn't great at times. Um, it was a bit too maudlin for me, I have to admit, but I'm sure, you know, if you love a love story and if you love something like that, it's nowhere near as good as Ghost, obviously. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought there were some really, really nice kind of sequences, and um, and I thought, you know, at times I, I enjoyed it. There were times, though, when I kind of cringed and I kind of thought, well, oh, this isn't really for me. But if you love a love story... If you like this kind of thing, it's perfect for uh, for you. It sounds absolutely delightful. You and it's, will love it. It's called it's called endless market out of ten. Uh, six. Oh. <laughs> six out of ten alright listen thanks a million for that have a lovely week okay. and uh, we'll talk to you next week that is Mark Malone our movie a reviewer and for the day that's in it uh, with the, the toy show on tonight and a lot of people think the toy show is the real start of uh, Christmas and a number of people always decide to put their Christmas tree up uh, so there will be many households today putting up their Christmas tree this afternoon to have it all ready for the toy show tonight so Fiona Corkin our senior news reporter went out to find out about Christmas trees this year whether you prefer real or artificial big or small white lights or all the colours of the rainbow the Christmas tree is loved by people all over the world and I've been to the Cork Christmas tree farm in ovens to chat to Fintan Reardon about what makes these trees so special you have to shear them you have to bud pick them you have to fertilise them you have to do all different kind of techniques to get the shape right. How do you do that? Um, so it all starts with spacing. The When you plant them, you got to plant them at a certain space. You don't want them too far because they'll just naturally get too wide. You don't want them too close either because they'll, um, you know, they're going into each other and then they're not getting the, the right sunlight. Finton has been busy cutting trees here over the past few weeks and says the demand is bigger this year. People are inquiring much earlier than getting calls since the start of October. So, you know, it's very obvious everyone's very eager to celebrate Christmas earlier. Um, and there's a lot of, I guess, a lot of interest from people who've never had Christmas trees, r- real Christmas trees before. So they're, they're also very eager and very excited, uh, which is good. Uh, I suppose people have a, a bit more time as well, maybe this year compared to other years. I've been asking people on the streets of Cork about their preference. An artificial tree is up already. <laughs> Oh, artificial tree, yeah. Why do you prefer the artificial tree? Because you just do them once, you have no more to do. You're done, (laughs) finished. Some people like the smell of the real tree. Is that something that would interest you? No, no, don't like it at all. A real tree. We like to to smell of it. Always put up a real tree. Artificial. To be honest, it's just what we've done, you know, all our lives. So it's just, that's what we always did. (laughs) So (laughs) now I'd like, sometimes I would like a real tree, you know, because they look nicer, like, but... No, we have the artificial tree, so it's grand. A real tree, always. I love the smell. Yeah, (laughs) that's Christmas for us. (laughs) And many families will be decorating their Christmas trees tonight, which marks a very special date on the Christmas calendar. My smallest fella loves to have it up at the toy show. 
so I thought she was Friday, so I was uh, summoned. My daughter and the grandkids, yeah, she's got hers up ready Has for she? the toy show. Yeah, oh. all ready. They love it. They love it. We watch it every year, so it's kind of like a tradition, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be fair, usually we don't put our tree up until the eight. You know, the eight because of my nan. She's you know, the tradition that that's what she used to. But um, but we'll definitely have it up this year anyway for the toy show. So it'll be nice. So for this Friday, the click and collect and the deliveries are—it's overwhelming. It's, it's really overwhelming compared to last year or any other year. Again, I suppose it goes back to, you know, a lot of people want to celebrate, you know, earlier this year. And for anyone who's getting a real tree for the first time, Finton has this advice. Don't put it up too early. Even if you want to buy your tree early, you know, at least even keep it outside in a bucket of water until you're ready to put the tree up. Uh, a water stand will help a lot. Um, the water stands, you should d- definitely get a water stand. We supply you know, a couple of different water stands. Um, also, make sure it's a fresh tree. Um, ask ask when, when it was caught. People can buy a tree directly from the farm in ovens or at the tree shop on Centre Park Road in the city and they can contact the Cork Christmas Tree Farm website for further information. Thank you, Fiona, for that. That was kind of our first Christmas song on the programme as well. And of course, in advance of the toy show tonight, which Ryan Topridge predicts is not going to be a dry eye in the house. In particular, they've got a very emotional, uh, it's a choir of children singing from all around the world. And it's uh, children who are all much missed and much loved family back here in Ireland. Children can't be coming home for Christmas. They've done like a virtual choir and they uh, end up singing uh, Rule the World. And uh, seemingly it's really, really emotional. So keep a lookout for that tonight and enjoy the toy show if you're going to be watching it with your family and your loved ones. And just on toys, Marion says, Trisha, I was listening to you talking uh, about the lovely children's books that you were giving away earlier. I have a seven-year-old grandson who is on the autism spectrum and I find it very difficult to get suitable books even in the larger bookshops. I wonder would any of your listeners know where I could try as I would love to get some for him for Christmas this year. He's non-verbal at present. Thanks a million for your help uh, from Marion's. So anybody listening who has a child or a grandchild on the autism spectrum, can you point Marion in the direction of books that would be suitable for this uh, young lad? And uh, it's, uh, to give the gifts of books uh, is, uh, is, is great. So if anyone has any suggestions, I won't get to it today, uh, but certainly if any suggestions come in, we'll talk about it on the programme on uh, Monday, if you can help us with that. And we earlier had somebody wanting to get rid of old cards. A listener says... Regarding the gentleman with the used cards, activities in nursing homes, they would often use cards. They use them for arts and crafts. So if he checks in with the local nursing home, they might be only too delighted to take those cards from him. OK, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy. He's been working on the programme all week. John Paul is back with us on Monday. I'll talk to you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Stay safe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient 
which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.